this morning. Uh, it's one of those sticky, hot, humid days that I <clears throat> don't always enjoy, but I praise the Lord nonetheless for the day that he has made. So, <clears throat> excuse me, get that voice cleared up. You know, uh, we're into our second to the last message uh, from Hebrews 11. The uh, heroes of the faith is what we've been talking about for uh, I don't know how many weeks, but uh, quite a while. And we're actually looking at the last two verses of Hebrews chapter 11, so we'll be there in a moment. But I've titled this morning's message, Anticipation. And I hope that makes you wonder. Um, some of you are old enough to remember a song by Carly Simon, Anticipation. Uh, I won't try and sing it for you because I, I don't have her voice. <laughs> But uh, anticipation is making me late, is keeping me waiting, was one of the lines from that song. And you know, there's all different kinds of anticipation. Uh, you know, how many of you have any Irish in you? Oh, there's a couple of you in here. Yeah, Kathy, put that hand up just a little higher, will you? So, uh, you know, the Irish have their own kind of anticipation. Um, just a couple of quotes. The Irish have an abiding sense of tragedy that sustains them through temporary periods of joy. I hope you understand that. Um, and it goes on to say, when the sun is shining, Irish keep their fingers crossed. Too good to be true, they remind each other. Something's bound to give. <laughs> That's not the kind of anticipation that I'm talking about this morning. Um, but there are different kinds. I, I remember when I was a child, and you know when you're a child, your anticipation is, it's there. I mean, I love to see the anticipation in children and the different things that they anticipate. But you remember when you were a child and, and Christmas was coming? Oh my goodness, the anticipation. Even in my family, which, you know, my family was pretty much a happy family, and, and yet we had our, our own issues, but. Christmas was one of those days where everything was just going to be good, you know. Uh, we were going to get up and, and uh, we were going to at some point have dinner with the whole extended family and my dad was going to read the uh, Christmas story from the Bible and now the anticipation is just getting higher and higher and higher and finally we're going to get to open some presents and, uh, and, and as I got older, I was buying presents, and I couldn't wait to see the presents that I gave be open. You remember that kind of anticipation? I think as adults now, we kind of take a deep breath at Christmas and go, here we go again, you know. But uh, I, I miss that kind of anticipation. Some of you probably anticipated the start of school. Uh, I know the Schatzberger children, I asked them, and they were looking forward to the start of school, and that's great. I was always looking toward the end of school, so that was my anticipation. I couldn't wait till summer got there, and I suspect that's them as well. But, uh, you know, as you get a little more mature, you anticipate your friends. I remember when a lot of my anticipation kind of changed from being with the family to wanting to be with my friends. And then, finally, there came a time in my life where, where there was a special friend and uh, really anticipated that time. And 
I got to know Kathy down in Carbondale, Illinois, and uh, you know things were happening. And then I decided I was going to move back to Wheaton for a while, and she was going to be in Carbondale. And it was winter time, and all of a sudden I found myself making this 365-mile journey several weekends through the uh, winter semester. And I remember driving in snow, no, snowstorms in my little Volkswagen blowing all over the highway, but all I could do was anticipate that I was going to see this lady, uh, the woman that I've been married to for 46 years. Anticipation, it's, it's a great thing. Uh, as I've gotten older, and maybe some of you, uh, it's a little different. You mature, you know, uh, simple things like the smell of bacon. <laughs> Fried onions, man, when I smell fried onions, it just, you know, I'm anticipating. Uh, some of you, it's a cup of coffee in the morning. For me, it's, it's a glass of iced tea. Uh, anticipation. So, yeah, when, uh, when I was in Vietnam, there was a whole culture around anticipation. The first day you arrived in Vietnam, you began to anticipate the day that you could go home, 365 Mine turned into 367 days. And uh, it, it was, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. And when the time got closer and closer, you, you, it was more and more. You, in fact, the fear level rose up. <laughs> I never wore a steel helmet the whole time I was there until the last month. And then I decided I was going to start wearing my steel pot on my head, you know, because the anticipation of going home was greater. And I think about the men and women that I know, especially the men that are in prison, and uh, uh, the anticipation that they have that someday, and almost every man in prison has this kind of anticipation, that someday the gates are going to open and they're going to leave that place. So anticipation literally means to take care of ahead of time or to take into possession uh, ahead of time. So there's this aspect of readiness in anticipation. When Christmas is coming, you're getting ready. Uh, when I was getting ready to get out of the army, you're getting ready for all of these things. And that anticipation is almost as good as the actual event. So here's my contention this morning to lead us into the message. I contend that anticipation is a Christian quality. And uh, it's part of our faith. So this morning, I'd like you to stand if you're able, and I think most of you are. We have these two verses to read, so you won't be standing long. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Father, would you teach us this morning through your word? Would you change us through your word for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So, their faith was commended. And I want you to notice, you know, pronouns and and adjectives have a purpose in, in, in anything that we read. But in the scripture, it talks about the word their, their faith. 
the author is making a distinction about who he is talking about. And it's important that we understand that. He is referring to these heroes that we've been hearing about over and over again. And we've heard about them for weeks. And, and that's a group of people that was anticipating, they were anticipating a blessing. They were anticipating a Messiah. And we would probably uh, refer to those people as, as Old Testament saints. But their faith is commended, I believe, because of living in anticipation. <laughs> you see, those commended were always looking forward. Think about this in yourself, you know, in your own Christianity. They were always looking forward in spite of the suffering and the unanswered prayer. Uh, they were always hoping in God. That defined those people, these heroes of the faith. And I believe that they prayed with anticipation. Uh, anticipating Jesus. <laughs> you know, if I was going to sing a song this morning, which one of my friends back there challenged me to, and, and I probably, I'd be thinking about, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. That's, that's the Christian anticipation. Uh, so do we pray with anticipation or do we pray kind of out of despair? Uh, Kathy and I had a really serious talk about that this week. And uh, we came to the realization that sometimes we, we're not praying with anticipation that God is really going to come through and answer our prayers. Sometimes we're, we're praying kind of out of desperation. And, 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 you know, that goes to the character of God. It really does. Uh, it, you know, it Im implies something about his character. Maybe it calls it into question. What is the character of God? <laughs> and you know what? God's a good father. And I, we need to be more childlike in our prayer more anticipatory that the Father is listening and that he's going to answer our prayer and that he has our good in mind no matter what happens, even if he doesn't answer that prayer. So people could look at these Old Testament heroes <clears throat> and they could uh, know uh, that they had this kind of anticipation. Uh, and they, they looked at people like this and they knew that they were looking forward to something else. And I think about that and myself. How do people view me? You know, they, they know we go to church on Sunday morning. I think we're the only car in the neighborhood that piles out of the driveway early on Sunday and we've got our Bibles in our hand and our neighbor who knows everything probably is peeking out the window and saying, oh, there they go again, you know. Uh, they identify me as the only man in the neighborhood that doesn't drink beer, you know, and, and that's not how I want to be identified. Uh, but do they know that I am anticipating and looking forward to something? I think they do. I really do, and, and I hope that's my, my, what I want. And, and just a couple of illustrations from the, from the Bible. Um, I, I thought about those young men in the book of Daniel. Uh, we tease Steve Lombardo because he's always in Daniel, but there's some good things in Daniel. Uh, uh, listen to this, this 
these young men in Daniel and, and think about them. Um, this is when Nebuchadnezzar had ordered them to worship. And remember, there, there's young lads that had been uh, captured and taken to Babylon, and they were going to be trained in the ways of Babylon, uh, although they had already been trained in the ways of the Lord. And, and here's what it says in Daniel 3, uh, starting in the last half of 15. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, if you're going to throw us into fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. That's anticipation, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I think people could look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and know that they had a different kind of an anticipation, that they were looking beyond what was in this world. <laughs> and, and I think of uh, Simeon and God's work in, in Luke chapter 2. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting, anticipating, I'm going to use that word, for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. <laughs> think about that. Wouldn't you love to be talked about as, hey, the Holy Spirit is upon that person? Hmm. And uh, here's what it says. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You know what? I expect that people mocked him. Even some of the Jews, I'm sure, hey, he's always in the temple. He thinks he's going to be the Messiah, see the Messiah before he dies. And, and yet, God brought to fruition what he had promised. And so I love the words of David, and, and I hope this is our heart in general, thinking of anticipation. In Psalm 62 and verse 5, and this is from the King James Version. I'm going to read this twice. You're going to maybe say it with me on the last half. My soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation, and I put in parentheses anticipation, is from him. Say that with me. My soul waits silently for God alone. My soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. For my expectation is from him. I hope that's true of us this morning. That was true of this generation of heroes. You know what, though? Their faith is not only commended because they had anticipation and, and lived for a next world, in a sense. Their faith was commended because they acted upon that anticipation. And, and that's where maybe we struggle sometimes. Think of those that are described in Hebrews 11 who anticipated faith. <laughs> they took action. Now, I'm going to give you a few illustrations. Just stick with me. You've heard all of these, but I want you to see it and see how true it is. Uh, think of Joshua. When Joshua was getting ready to cross the Jordan with the people, there was finally a generation that was going to be able to go into the promised land. 
And, and Joshua said, consecrate yourselves, get ready, anticipate. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders for you. And here it goes on and it says, as soon as the priest who were bearing the ark, and, and can you see the picture? I'm sure you can. The ark weighed a lot. In one hand, they've got the ark, and there's somebody next to them, uh, and they've got the ark in the other hand. And, and those first people that are coming up to that river in flood stage, those are the guys that I wonder about. I think, ooh, what are they anticipating here? You know, uh, Joshua told them what the Lord said, but man, they had to take those toes and stick them in the river. And you know what happened. God took the river and made a wall out of it on both sides, and they walked over on dry land. So that's action after anticipation. God delivered his people to the promised land. Remember Noah? He heard what God said to him. God said, you know what? I'm going to judge the world. I'm, I'm going to destroy it. I'm angry with these people because they just keep sinning. And, uh, and he anticipated that God was going to do what he said. Uh, and God told him he was going to send rain. You know, I, we're told that Noah probably didn't know what rain was, uh, that it hadn't rained on the earth yet. And, uh, and God told him to build a boat. He probably didn't really have the concept of a boat yet. Uh, or flotation, think about that, that something big and heavy would actually float. And yet he anticipated, and then he took action, and he built a boat. And God sent a great flood, and he delivered Noah and his family, but he followed through on his judgment of the whole world. How about David? He anticipated that the same God who had delivered him from the lion and the bear would deliver him from a giant a giant that was mocking God and his people. <laughs> and by faith, he took action. <laughs> he disregarded the, the armor and the shield and that heavy big sword. He said, no, I don't need all that stuff. I can't, I can't do. And then imagine that little boy running toward this nine-foot-six giant, and he's got this little sling in his hand with a couple little rocks. That's crazy. But there he goes, and boom, the lion was dead. God delivered his people, and he delivered David from the lion and the bear and from Goliath, and God gave victory over the giant who was defying the living God. Then there was Elijah. Uh, Elijah was a man. Uh, he wasn't a perfect man. There was a lot, he had a lot of fear. You remember when he was afraid, and he was cowering, and he thought he was the only one? But, but, you know, so he's just like us in a lot of ways. But Elijah, he prophesied that it would not rain except by his word. But by faith, he prayed with anticipation. He's on his knees saying, God, bring the rain. Bring the rain. And what does he do? He sends a servant. <laughs> I, I imagine the servant going over, he's sending him over to the cliff and looking out over the ocean. He says, tell me when you see a cloud. And finally... He saw a cloud, so he took action, and, and God blackened the skies, and it rained. He delivered, he followed through on his word. You know, the writer of Hebrews says that their actions 
the actions of these Old Testament saints, these heroes of the faith, led to all kinds of suffering and persecution and, and even death. But they refused deliverance, and instead they lived a dangerous, holy life. I think about that. You know, I think Christians, at least in my circle in this country, we don't understand sometimes what it means to live a holy and dangerous life. Uh, what it means to really uh, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, that's what they did. They refused deliverance. They lived holy and dangerous lives because they anticipated that they would rise to a better life. That's what it says in the book of Hebrews. You know, James knew something when he said, uh, faith without action, faith without works is dead. But here's what it says about them that generation, they did not acquire, receive the promise. You gotta understand the promise, the covenant. Uh, God gave Abraham a covenant, and we know from what we've heard for weeks that that covenant included the land and the seed, but it also included the blessing. And you put a capital B in front of that blessing, and I think you understand what I'm talking about. So the land, some of the people actually got to go into the promised land. So there was a partial, uh, a partial recipient of God's promise. Uh, and God uh, multiplied the people in number. So the seed was blessed. And everywhere they went and lived, God uh, prospered them wherever he sent them. But the promise was incomplete because they had not realized the blessing with a capital B. That's Jesus. That's the Messiah. They had not received that yet. So now the writer changes course, and he begins to uh, speak directly to the recipients, the immediate recipients of this letter, uh, the Hebrew Christians. And I think this is where we can start to connect even a little more. So I've called this second point the founder of our faith. And notice that the writer uses the term us in this next verse, in verse 40. It says, since God had provided something better for us. He's making a distinction between them and us, that Old Testament generation and us. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, what in the world is, is he really talking about there? So I'm going to tell you some things you've already heard, but it's important. You know this us, they were a people. They were Hebrew Christians, uh, fairly new Christians. Uh, they were a people who immediately began to serve the Lord faithfully. Uh, they had suffered for their faith. They'd been reproached. They showed compassion on prisoners. They had their property plundered and taken away from them. Uh, and so they were, these people were serious. They were taking action. They were, they were following the Lord, but they began to drift. And that's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> Christians that began to drift away from their first love. Uh, and, and they were tempted to neglect their salvation 
So as you read these things, as you hear these things, I'm challenging you to think about your own life. Uh, this, this is, we're part of this audience. Uh, where are we? Uh, do we have we drifted away from where we first came into the faith? You know? And uh, uh, are we tempted in some way to neglect our salvation? And, and these people seem not to understand what it meant to enter into the rest of God. And we've talked about the rest of God, of uh, relaxing from trying to work your way into heaven. That's the R. E is enjoying the promises of God. You've heard me say this. And S is the satisfaction of, of knowing who God is and being in his family. And T is trusting God. And, and somehow these people are not entering, they're in danger of not entering into that rest because they're, they're walking away from the faith. They were losing their confidence. If you read Hebrews chapter 6, it's a challenging chapter. We're not preaching that one. I think it's a little, a little too difficult, you know, uh, in some ways. But it talks about walking away from the faith there and the dangers of walking away from the faith. And however you interpret that, the writer of Hebrews is saying it's a dangerous thing to walk away from the Lord and to drift away and to be neglecting the, your salvation. They were losing their confidence. They were shrinking back into the old ways. You know what? Maybe the law was better. We weren't being persecuted so badly when we were, you know, just following the law, uh, doing what we used to do. And sometimes the Christian life is like that, you know? <laughs> it's difficult. Maybe it would be easier not to stand out, not to be different, you know? And, and so maybe there would be less suffering. But here's what the writer wants. This is what God wants for him, too. He wants his people to have confidence. I hope this describes us, our church. The writer wants his people to have confidence, that's faith, to come boldly to the throne of grace. At the end of chapter 4, it talks about Christ, our mediator, tempted in every way that we're tempted, yet without sin, so that we can go boldly to the throne of grace, to draw near in full assurance of faith. That's anticipation, my friends. Holding fast to our confession of hope without wavering. And, he, you know, there's community in this. You know, a lot of times we, we want to individualize this stuff. I love it that the writer of Hebrews says <laughs> to be a good community that encourages one another. I confess to you that sometimes I have not been encouraging maybe some people even here. That's not what God intends for us. He wants us to encourage one another. And even more as the day draws near, he says, and to stir one another up to good works. You know what? He reminds them that they have a better possession now. Now what you have is better than what that other generation had. And it's an abiding one. And he's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. The founder of our faith, since God had provided. <laughs> you know, I, I love the word since. I, I couldn't find it in the, uh, the Greek when I, when I went into the Bible, but they've thrown that in to help us understand that, well, since God, since God provided. And what are they talking about? You know what Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says? 
<clears throat> but when the fullness of the time had come, I love this verse, it's a pregnant verse. <laughs> it says, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus was born under the law. Uh, we don't remember that all the time. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's what God had promised all along. That's the blessing, the capital B, <laughs> that a Savior would be born, uh, that we would receive adoption as sons, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So something, someone actually, better. And if you know the book of Hebrews, <laughs> that's the whole argument of Hebrews. Someone better, better. So to you people, he's saying, that are wavering in your faith, you're tempted to go back and, and there's something better. And, and hear this, you know, if you want to turn to the first chapter of Hebrews, you can follow along, but this is how the book opens, and, and we've heard it before, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, these are the Jewish people, Hebrew people, by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. That's the whole argument in Hebrews, that something better, the Lord Jesus Christ, superior to the angels, greater than Moses. That's what these people needed to hear. <laughs> you know, the law, the law could not perfect. It could not perfect. The law could only point to our imperfection and therefore point to the need for a Savior. Sacrifice had to be made day after day. And the sacrifice, the sacrificial system would never be over without a Savior. It would never be finished. Scripture tells us that Jesus, the Son, was made perfect forever, that his sacrifice was once for all. What did he say on the cross at the end of his life? It is finished. It is finished. Man, that had a huge meaning for the Hebrew people. It's finished. God has done that work. It should have a huge meaning for us. And, and here, get this, and it says in the scripture in Hebrew, and the spirits of the righteous, you know, that's you and I. Do you think of yourself as righteous? If you do, raise your hand. Come on. Well, are you a Christian? Then you, you, you're righteous. I hate to tell you. Well, I don't actually hate to tell you. I love to tell you that God has declared us righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so this is what he's saying. And the spirits of the righteous, that's you and I, are made perfect once for 
all. Whew, that's grace, man. That's forgiveness. So Friday night, I was having a conversation with my neighbor. Bill's always reminding us to have conversations with our neighbor, and he's right. Um, uh, this neighbor across the street, and we were talking about guilt. We were talking about forgiveness. It started with some of the stupid things that we'd done in life, uh, and so then it moved into uh, guilt, and then it moved into forgiveness. And my neighbor said to me, my neighbor said to me, Dave, I hope someday I will deserve forgiveness. I thought, I, you know, I didn't think long, but I answered him. I said, you know what, if we could get to the point where we deserve forgiveness, we wouldn't need it. And he said, you're right. And I said, that's grace, man. That's what God gives is grace. <laughs> uh, it's uh, unmerited favor. You know, God's riches at Christ's expense. We can't earn it. We need it. Uh, so, something better. And finally, it says, seated at the right hand of majesty when it's talking about Jesus. <laughs> That's why we have boldness. That's why we can go into that throne room. We, we have confidence to draw uh, near to the throne of grace. The Hebrew people were really afraid of going into that place. They'd die if they got into the presence of God. But because of Jesus, you and I can actually boldly go to the throne of grace. And I need that word boldness in my life. Maybe some of you do too. Uh, sometimes I tiptoe into the throne of grace. In fact, I often do. And uh, I need to be a little bolder and say, Lord, I'm here. <laughs> you promised that you'd hear me and and I'm anticipating what you're going to do. Uh, I want that kind of boldness in my life. So we, we enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, our great high priest. That's how we ought to change. We ought to change how we pray and how we act. So we come to the end of this, and this is the last verse, last part of uh, verse 40, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So what in the world is the Lord talking about there through the writer of Hebrews? He's saying that apart from us, now he's back to this generation that wanted to, that is the present people, his audience that he's talking to that want to leave the Lord. And he's saying apart from us, that other generation, the one, the heroes of the faith, they will not be made perfect without us. They will not be made complete without us. <laughs> so notice I use the word together, we finish the race. That's really what it's saying. <laughs> so we talked about their faith, and then we talked about our faith, but in reality, we are all together in one faith. Some of those people looked forward to Christ. We looked back. We call it the shadow. They had a shadow of what was coming, and we know what the substance is. That's Jesus Christ. So uh, there's one verse that, that really helps me in the understanding of what's going on here. Hebrews 10, 14. And we're concluding now, so, so uh, this is an important point. It says, and this was pretty interesting to me, 
For by a single offering, are you there yet, Hebrews 10, 14? By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Okay, if he's perfected us, why is he sanctifying us? Does that strike you, any of you? What's he talking about there? <laughs> well, he's talking about we're already perfect in that he declared us righteous, which we said a while ago. And yet, all of you were afraid to raise your hand to many of you because when I asked, do you think you're righteous, you're like, oh, not really. I know I'm not. And, and so there's this, okay, uh, you're, by a single offering, Jesus, he perfected us, made us holy, righteous for all time, but we're still being sanctified. We're still being changed into the image of Jesus Christ as we walk in this life. And so there's this thing that theologians, this phrase, and you've probably heard it, they talk about already, but not yet, or now, but not yet. There's that aspect in Christianity, and it's really important to understand that hey, we're already in the kingdom of God, aren't we? But it's not completed yet, the kingdom of God. We're already righteous, but we're not perfect yet, complete. So there's this already but not yet, and that helps me understand this whole passage that we've just gone through. <laughs> the, the heroes of the faith were already faithful people, but not yet, but not yet complete. And the generation that the, the writer was writing to these people were struggling, uh, but, you know, already they were Christians, but not yet were they perfect and complete. And so that's what it's being taught, it's what's being talked about here. Uh, all through salvation history, that's one of those theological terms, all of history is salvation history. God saved people, yet he continually is preparing us and sanctifying us to finish the race. Now, don't miss this. This is also important. Sometimes we want to think, when we think about finishing the race, we're always looking forward, and looking forward is a good thing. But he still wants to use us here on the earth. We're still bringing the kingdom of God, and we're still uh, to glorify him here on the earth as we follow in the steps of Jesus. So we still need to be running our race. We're going to struggle. We won't always see our prayers answered. We're going to face opposition if we really follow the Lord. We'll have opposition to our faith. How many of you have gotten opposition from family by turning to the Lord? Many of you. Yeah. It's not fun, but it's real. So that's part of what God expects his children to do is to keep keep standing up for the Lord keep walking with the Lord keep following in the steps of Jesus <laughs> I'm reading a book and there's a group and it's pretty radical but man it's really impacting me as I read it They're, they kind of hone in on only the red letter part of the Bible that's not all they believe, but they're using the red letter, the words of Jesus, to define what their life should look like. Wow, it's pretty, pretty impactful as I'm reading this book. Uh, it's pretty drastic is what it is, but it's very convicting. So 
we as Christians, you know, we're all about looking forward to heaven. Oh, man, I can't wait till, you know, I could list 25 songs about getting to heaven. And, uh, and that's good. But the expectation is that the kingdom is here. It's present already. And we're to live in that kingdom and to live like Jesus. So don't just make this a future thing that I'm going to finish the race. I think you've got the point. Life is going to be difficult when we live in anticipation and when we take action on that anticipation. But God commends those who anticipate, who take action, and who finish the race. I think he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I would cherish those words. I hope you will too cherish those words. You'll think about that in your life. Will, will God be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant? You know, God has blessed those of us that are in Christ with every spiritual blessing, it says at the beginning of Hebrew, or Ephesians. <laughs> All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Not just the shadow we've got, we've got the substance, Jesus. The indwelling Holy Spirit permanently in us. <laughs> you know what? The immediate audience for this letter, they needed to fall in love with Jesus again. And as I read this, I realized, so do I. Probably so do you. I think that's the point of this. Fall in love with Jesus again. Anticipate Jesus. That's what I want to put after anticipate. Anticipate Jesus and all the implications of that in our lives. Those absent from the body, those saints gone to glory, they're waiting. Imagine the finish line, they're waiting. John Piper, he, he said that they got the ribbon, but they don't have the gold cup yet, those people that are already with the Lord. Because they're not complete. They can't be complete without us. All the runners have to finish the race before we have the completion, before the grand finale. <laughs> All, everybody, every person that's been called by God will finish the race before God finishes what he's doing. The last point I put there is Almighty King Jesus reigns. That's what's going to happen. The resurrection of the body, we think of that individually, but it's the body of Christ. It's not just the individual, it's the body of Christ being resurrected up into heaven. No more death, no more sorrow, no more tears. Those are beautiful things. Being made perfect, complete, we'll be like him because we see him as he is. That's the close of the ages. That's the grand finale. That's heavenly blessedness. Don't you anticipate that day? <laughs> it's good to anticipate that. But don't forget to anticipate Jesus while we live here, too. So Paul said to the Romans, just two verses here, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's from Romans 8, in case you're wondering. Then Peter said, and I think it's the first chapter of 1 uh, Peter, Blessed be the Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Finally, just live in anticipation. Anticipate Jesus. Act by faith. Follow in the steps of Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus again. And finish your race. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you have spoken to our hearts and that through these words we will anticipate, take action, give you glory, follow Jesus, and finish our race. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.